So we've been studying for the last several weeks the letter, the New Testament letter of 1 John. It's the first letter to the church written by the Apostle John. And uh, we're going to conclude this study today. And I hope, I hope you've enjoyed reading this letter as much as I have. So if you've been in our growth groups, if you've been in any of our studies, um, we've not only been studying this on Sunday afternoons, but in our groups we've been studying this. And so we've just been kind of living in this book of the Bible for the last um, six, seven weeks. And I really do hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, But one thing I've noticed about this book is, you know, a lot of times when you sit down to read the Bible, it can be a little confusing And so you have to kind of study it piece by piece. So I'm thinking like the book of Hebrews, the book of Romans, you're like, if you try to read it all at once, your head will explode. And so you kind of have to take it like a couple of verses at a time and study and kind of work on it. I felt my take on 1 John is it's the complete opposite. 1 John is one of those letters in the scriptures where when I sit down, I can read it smoothly all at once. But when I try to study it, my brain gets all jumbled up. And what I mean by that is John uses a, an actual literary form of argumentation that's actually unique in the New Testament, kind of to him. So the Apostle Paul, for example, in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, and all of Paul's letters, what he does is he says, you know, here's A, here's B, here's C, here's D, it, it, on and on and on equals Z. And so Paul will say, here's the problem, here's the solu- here, here is what sin has done in your life, here's what Jesus has done, therefore here is how you should live. It's very sequential, very linear. Um, John does not do this. John just says right out the gate, he says, hey, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you can be assured of eternal life. And then he has about three themes maybe four, that he just hits on over and over and over again throughout, the, uh, throughout this book and so about the, throughout this letter. And so you hear these themes multiple times, but they're all kind of out of order and he's just hitting on them all at once, almost stream of consciousness. And as I read it, I go, that would probably make a really good sermon, like one sermon, but boy, it's really hard to follow if you're trying to go, okay, we're going to go verse by verse through this thing because it feels like we're going back and forth and back and forth. And when you study it week by week like we've done, it can get a little confusing because John jumps from theme to theme and back again. Um, But one of the things that we have to recognize is that in the early church, um, in the, I mean, the earliest churches in the first century, um, they didn't, uh, they they had preaching. We see Peter preach sermons. We see uh, uh, John preach sermons in, in the book of Acts. We see Paul preach sermon in the book of Acts. But a lot of times what they would do during their time together is they would read entire letters of the scripture together. And so these letters, John would write the letter of 1 John, he would send it to the church in Jerusalem, they would read it, they would copy it down, then they would send it to the church in the next town over, and it would go throughout the churches like that. And when they would gather it on, on a Sunday morning on the Lord's Day, they would go, hey, a new letter from the Apostle John came. And somebody would stand up and they would read the letter, and then every, and all in its entirety, and people would go, oh, that's great, and they would study it, and they would ask questions, and they would do all this. I want us to do this today. I want us to read and hear this letter as the first Christians heard it, all at once. Um, I've been actually, throughout this series, as we've been studying this, I've been listening to Streetlights. Does anybody know what that is? It's an audio Bible, and it's kind of set to like some hip-hop music, and so it's kind of cool, but then they just read the scriptures. And so when I've been cooking over the last few weeks, when I go for a run, I've got 1 John just looping in my ears, and it's been incredible for me to sort of understand what's going on. And so this is what I want us to do today. We're going to read the entire 
letter of 1 John. And before I get into that, I do want to say this, though. We have to remember the purpose that John is writing this letter. And he tells us at the very end, he says, I write this letter to you. I I write these things to you, those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So John is writing this letter to those who are Christians. A lot of the letters in the New Testament are written to people who are not yet Christians. This is written to Christians to assure us that we have eternal life through Jesus. And we live at a time in history right now that is marked by insecurity and uncertainty. We're uncertain about the future of our country. We have elections coming up this week. Everybody's panicking, you know, freaking out. What's going to happen if these people get in charge? What's going to happen if these people stay in charge? What's going to happen? And we're uncertain about the future of our country. We're, we're, we're paying attention to the economy and uh, the stock market. And we're all, there's all these things that are uncertain. And then out in our culture, there's all sorts of things that are just changing so rapidly. And we just feel like we can't keep up. You're like, oh, this is the new thing. I can't keep up with all this stuff. And in the midst of all this uncertainty... Often we can become uncertain. And what I often what what, what kind of grieves me a little bit is that in the midst of a time in history where our culture is so uncertain, often it seems that the church is speaking very softly and very quietly, as if we're afraid to speak with boldness and confidence, because we're afraid it'll be will be perceived as arrogant. Like that, that we're certain of anything, we're afraid that that might be perceived as arrogant in some way to our culture. But John writes this letter to say, times are uncertain, but there is one thing that you can be assured in, and that is that eternal life comes through Jesus our Lord. And you can be assured not only that you have eternal life, but you can be assured that Jesus is Lord. You can be assured that you can actually know him, and you can be assured that your life can be transformed. And so I want us to begin, we're going to read 1 John, and this is what I want to be kind of in your mind as we do this. And one more thing before I go, before we get into this. I know you guys listen to audiobooks. You listen to 11-hour audiobooks, you listen to four-hour podcast interviews, you sit down and watch ball games that last four hours. What's going to happen, I'm going to start reading the scriptures, and your mind is going to start drifting. That, listen, there is war going on. That is the enemy trying to distract you, saying, you can't pay attention to this. No, (laughs) you can. And we're not going to let the enemy distract us from the things that the Spirit wants to say to us today. Okay? So there we go. 1 John chapter 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and we declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and that we declare to you that God is light, and there is absolutely no, none, nada, darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we're lying, and we're not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we're just deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. 
But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, John says, I'm writing these things to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, I want you to know you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know Jesus, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have had from the very beginning. The old command is the word that you have heard, yet I am writing to you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, John says, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, Because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men. Because you have conquered the evil one. You have. I've written to you children. Because you have come to know the father. I've written to you fathers. Because you have come to know the one who is from the very beginning. I've written to you young men. Because you are strong. And God's word remains in you. And you have conquered the evil one. Don't, do not love the world and the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. By this, we know that it is the last hour, because they went out from us. But they did not belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But you, you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I've not written to you because you don't know the truth. But I've written to you because you know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the one who is the Antichrist. The one who denies the Father and the Son. No one, no one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Father, however... Has the Father, who, who, he who confesses the Son 
however, has the Father as well. What you've heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He Himself made to us. What's the promise? Eternal life. I've written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, His anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. So now, little children, remain in Him. Remain in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at Him at His coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Do you see what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's very children? And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears... We will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that He was revealed so that He might take away sins and there is no sin in Him. Everyone who remains in Him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen Him or known Him. Little children, Let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was the author, who, who, who was the evil one and murdered his brother, and why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brother's deeds were righteous. Don't be surprised. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. And everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. This is how we know what love is. He laid down his life for us. Therefore, we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love remain in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in speech, but in action and in truth. This is how we will know that we belong to him This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. 
For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now this is his command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him, and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have come and gone out into the world, but this is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Even now, it is already in the world. You are from God, little children. You are from God. And you have conquered them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love is from God. And God is love. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. I'm going to pause there and go back to a verse that John spoke in his gospel where he said, For God so so loved the world that he gave his only son, And whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. John continues, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, come on, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and we testify that the father has sent his son as the world's savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. God is love. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because 
he first loved us. Why do we love? We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I I love God, and yet hates his brother and sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom whom he has seen cannot love the God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is to keep his commandments. And his commands, his commands are not burdens. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by water and blood, and not by water only, but by water and by blood, and the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three, they're all in agreement. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater. Because it is God's testimony that he has given about his son. The one who believes in the son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life. And this life is where? In his son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son does not have life. I've written all these things to you, John says. Those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God, I've written these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him. To those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death, there is a sin that does lead to death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin that doesn't lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one, that is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And I love that John ends with a command. Little children, guard yourself from idols.
Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, today I trust that your word alone has the power to pierce our hearts far more than any stories or comments I could make about your word. God, we trust that your spirit can pierce our hearts with your word. And so, God, we thank you that you have given us eternal life through Jesus. And God, the evidence of our faith is in that we love one another. And so, God, I pray that not only do we have eternal life, but that you have so transformed us that we love one another and that we obey your commands. And so, God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. We're going to have a time for you to respond. Um, We're going to sing a song. You can sing along with us. Um, I'm going to be up here. Josh is going to tune his guitar. Um, I'm going to be up here. Pastor Kyle is going to be up here. Our deacons are going to be up here. We would love to pray with you. If you have anything you would like to pray about, if you would like to know God, if you would like a prayer of healing or a prayer of blessing. But also we're going to invite all of those of you who are followers of Jesus and have been baptized to come and take the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Christ. And my favorite passage in the letter of 1 John is at the very beginning of chapter 2 when John says, he tells us two reasons he wrote the book. The first is in chapter 5. He says, I've written these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. But he also tells us in chapter 2 why he wrote the book. He says, I've written these things to you um, so that you don't sin. (laughs) He says, I've written this letter to you because I don't want you to sin. And some of you hear that and there's like shame that comes over you. And you're like, whoa, whoa, but I have. <laughs> and you're like, I re- all these things that, that, that John talks about in this letter where he says, like, if you're of God, you won't sin and you won't love the world. But, and you're like, but that, I don't feel that way right now. You say, I, I have sinned and I've done it recently. <laughs> and I've done it badly. And so you hear this letter and there's, there, there may be parts of you if, you, if you're not connecting the dots, there, you may feel shame and, because John says, I'm, I'm writing all these things to you so that you do not sin. And you go, well, what if I have? John finishes that thought. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you do not sin. But if anyone does sin, I'm writing this letter so that you may know that Jesus has atoned for your sins, that he is your propitiation, and that he has paid for every one of your sins. And that you're, the, 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 the shame that you feel, the conviction you feel over your sin is actually evidence that God's spirit is in you. Because you don't love the world. You're tempted by the world at times and you do those things, but you don't love it, that's why you're convicted. And John says, I've written this letter to you so that you will not sin, but if you do, I want you to know that you have an advocate to the Father and his name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so when we take the bread and the cup, we're not asking you to come up here and be perfect. (laughs) We're asking you to come up here and be honest and to take the body and the blood of Christ and say, uh, Jesus, I have failed you this week. But through your broken body and through your shed blood, I have been cleansed of my sin and I've been forgiven of all unrighteousness. And today, again, you lay your sins and your burdens before the Lord You receive his body and his blood and you rejoice in the truth that you are forgiven and that your your eternal life cannot be shaken by your sin because Jesus has already paid for it and he doesn't have to pay for it again. And so you, you confess your sins and you receive his forgiveness again today. John wrote this letter so that we would not sin. He doesn't want us to sin. 
But if anyone has, know that you have an advocate in Jesus. And this is why we take communion. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you to come and to confess your sins before the Lord and receive the body and the blood of Christ. If you're not a believer, if, you're not, if you've never taken that step of faith and said, I, I, I want to follow Jesus, then we ask you not to come to the table. We ask you to come to one of the pastors. And we would love to share with you how you can know God. And so you guys stand. We're going to sing and you can respond however God leads you.